Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MT Stands podcast, one of the fastest rising football community in Nigeria. Um, my name is Bamiji Ojo, and I'm your host. And what do we do on the podcast? We talk about um, trending topics. We talk about football, basically. And what better place to start the discussion of than the match day three review of um, the Euro 2020, which has been ongoing. It's been an amazing tournament so far. And... Just before we even go into the nitty-gritty of it, I want to use this medium because I said I was going to use every medium I would be in. From I've been in two podcasts already from um, the period I won a voting um, contest online and up until now. So I want to say thank you to everyone that voted. If you're listening to this and voted, I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Just want you to know that you're a winner alongside me. But yeah. Let's get into the Euro 2020. It's been an amazing tournament so far. A tournament full of own goals, full of um, great goalkeeping, full of penalties, both missed and scored. And really, like I said earlier, it's the Empty Stands podcast is a fast-growing community. And because of that, I'm not alone on the podcast tonight. I have some amazing individuals and that, that, that really, really show that blood is, is, is actually thicker than, than water. The way Tognazad has shown for Edinazad, um this Euros in Belgium. But just before we get into the conversation, I'll go through everybody and introduce everyone. First person is my co-host, and honestly, trust me, we're not in any better hand than this man because he has watched every game of the Euros, probably bar one. He's watched not Macedonia, he's watched all their games, and basically was in the stands with Wesley Schneider to give a tribute to Grand Panda, who played his last game. Um, against the Netherlands, and it's always, always how you do it. I'm fine, man. Thanks for the accolades. The truth is, Bamiji, you were right and you were wrong. I watched every game by one or two till match day three, where you can't really watch 90 minutes of every game because to avoid match fixing, games go hand in hand. So, what I've been doing since match day three starts is since the um, first game between um, the first match day, um, Italy-Wales and um, Switzerland-Turkey, I had to pick one because I picked Italy versus Wales on Sunday and I missed out on four spectacular goals in the Switzerland-Turkey game. So I'm like, no more shuffling. I'm going to pick one game. If it goes well, it goes well. If it doesn't go well, I'll take my L. So... Yeah, thanks for the accolades, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here as always. All right, thank you for that, always. Then moving on to a man who, at the start of the UCL campaign, anytime he featured on a podcast, he was always just happy to be here until he finally won the trophy with um, Chelsea. He's, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a football writer. You should check out his podcast. He's um, his blog, writer, And um, his name is Timmy Lanyo. So, yeah, Timmy, great to have you all here. Hey bro, thanks for having me, man. It's always good to be here. It's good to be here again. This is the first time I'm coming back since <laughs> I became the European champion now. So, yeah. You guys, you're welcome. 
Thank, thank you for thank you for thank you for having us basically. Then finally yeah. and probably, probably his first appearance on, <laughs> on the pod. His first appearance on the pod. I'm really excited because like when your family is invested in what you're doing, you know you're doing something right. Not only because of just the nepotism that comes with it, but just for the fact that you have people who follow the line of vision that you have and it's I'm really glad to have him here. Is is my bro, is my cousin, is Naita or DJ. Naita, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Hi, good evening, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, all right. Yeah, now that we have everybody on lock, um, big shout out to, there's some people in the background, big shout out to them. We don't need to call them before they start forming sexiest voices <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it, guys. The Euros, wow. We've gotten to the stage where things get exciting. I mean, we, we love it for the knockout. And now match day three was when you know teams are going to go out or teams are going, that are going to remain. But we spoke about the spectacular goals scored in the Switzerland versus Turkey game. But before, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Before we get into that, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about Italy. Coming into the tournament, there were talks about them being the dark horses, but definitely after three games, light has shined on them and we're beginning to see clearly their intentions for this tournament. Oiz, I'll start with you. Who has been your favorite Italian player so far in three games? It's difficult to pick, but I have to go for Locatelli. I'm going for Locatelli because with all due respect to um, one of Chelsea's most controversial players, I mean, I'm talking in respect of Jorginho. Locatelli has been massive in offense and defense. So um, I think it was on um, one of my group chats. I drew how um, Italy plays. When Italy is with the ball, they play with a back three. People don't really know. Spinazzola plays that role like he's a, he's a left wing back with um, Kenny Bonucci and Di Lorenzo, who is not really offensive, playing like as a back three. Guess who drops deep to protect Jorginho from his um, weakness in that position? We all know Jorginho's strength is finding that pass, looking up, dropping off the shoulder. It is Locatelli. So for Locatelli to come from a game where he was protecting Jorginho from slander on social media, clean sheets, Another game, he not only protects Jorginho, he combines well with Nico um, Barella and Berardi and scores a brace in that game. I mean, I don't even know. I, I don't think uh, Locatelli is going to end the Euros being a Sassuoli player. Like, if, if teams are serious, they have to sign that guy before July 11th. Because by July 11th, if Italy make the final. I'm not even talking of win or lose. I'm saying as close as final, I feel like Locatelli is going to be a big money midfield move this summer. Like I'm talking in the likes of the 50 and 60 million pounds move. So um, it has to be Locatelli. Don't get me wrong. I know it's uh, Italy is a system team where all of them come to the table but after that second game, I was like, nah, man. Like, I was still forming Berardi after the first game. Like, yes, Immobile is scoring, Insigne is scoring, 
Berardi isn't really scoring, but he's the one that tries to like start all the attacks and everything. But after that second game, a moment, I couldn't really pinpoint anything but Berardi. I mean, he's making Giorgio feel like prime Andre Pello. He's covering up two of the slowest centre-backs in the tournament in form of Giorgio Kelini and Leonardo Bonucci. And he has two goals. So, I mean, he's, he, he, has won, he has won all the votes for me. So, Manuel Locatelli is my top performer in the Italian national team for me so far. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. That was, that was in-depth. And um, Timmy, I'll come to you because I know going into the Euros, I don't know if you'd, you'd support um, Oiz with what you just said now. I know you were looking at Immobile and he definitely impressed you with the three goals so far in the tournament. But one, one, one thing, move, if we move away from the team, yeah, you, 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 you tell me your, your favourite Italian player, but if you move away from the team now and we're talking about from the individual rather and you're talking about the team how well has Massini built up this squad now because this thought, this last game against Wales he made a lot of changes I mean Verratti is one of my favourite midfielders in the world I feel he has not gotten the clout he deserves because of the teams he's played in but he's one of the very good um, box-to-box midfielders in the world but he, he made a lot of changes Persina got the goal against Wales so he's looking like a strong, strong squad so Apart from the individual, so how, how well has Martini set up this team? It's nine, th- three games, three wins. It, it really didn't look like a struggle for them. Yeah, you're right. You know, apart from even the tournament, I heard they've not even lost the game since like, I think 2019 or 2018 or something. And they've not considered since like last year, September. That's huge. And this is someone that calls like different players for different tournaments. And like for different maybe friendlies, qualifiers and things like that. And they are still keeping these records. Do you understand? Now look at how he, he just like changed the whole thing. Obviously because they are qualified. But you see, even the people, the, after rotating the squad, they are still hungry. Do you understand? Everybody knows. These are still top players in their clubs. You see Verratti, that clinic was crazy against Wales. Everything was very, very... You see um, Kiesa, I think was the man of the match in that, in that game. Very, very good. These are players that are still, they have everything to fight for. You're still fighting for your shirt because you can still play. They can be the ones to play the next game. Do you understand? So I think the way, probably the, the mindset in that team already, from the way they sing their anthem, I think you know, <laughs> that says everything about their team. It's crazy. Everybody everybody has, like, they know what they're supposed to do. They they go, there's just one goal. They don't care who's scoring or who's not scoring. As far as the boys at the back of the net, you're winning. If you win one zero, you know it's enough. That's it. Like, just lock up. Donnarumma. I thought, okay, um, the defense, the defense was so solid. Donnarumma is just probably um um highly rated or something, something. He made saves like in these three games, proper point blank saves. So I think everyone is just playing their part right, and it's a very very solid thing to watch out for. And yeah, my favorite like player so far, uh, I've been impressed by Immobile. Honestly, very, very, because I was so sure I was going to be, at least in the group stage, I was so sure I was going to be this, at least this fiery. Do you understand? So, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank you for that, Timmy. Um, I, I, those, those two are actually very, very difficult picks because they've been really good for, for the Italian side, for the Azuri so far. And Neta, let me come to you for the first time. And... Even though, yeah, you also tell me your favorite um, Italian player so far. Let's let's talk about um, Switzerland, Turkey, the game that had 
amazing goals, really. Um, Shakiri in particular is one man who always seems to turn up when it comes to play for Switzerland. What do you think is his legacy in world football generally? And I mean, we he, he was part of that Liverpool side that was successful in the Champions League, even though he played a bit part, and also in the Premier League. But anytime he comes up for Switzerland, he always comes up big for them, either in the World Cup or in the Euros, and he's scoring great, insane goals. So really, just 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 run us through Shakiri, what you think Shakiri is all about, and um, also your favorite Italian player so far. Yeah, so um, Jelen Shakiri has, he's one player that actually goes under the radar when it comes to, you know, conversations regarding or revolving around wingers or, you know, very creative players because of the way the um, slope his career had taken from coming to Bayern or from leaving Bayern, coming to England through Stoke and all of that and all of that. But it's also, it is very important to remember that he would not have been in teams that were managed by, by that were managed by coaches like Guardiola and Klopp if he didn't have any bit of quality that you know one had to pay attention to. So he's most definitely a very very talented midfielder, right? LG mini fridge, you know. So he's actually a very talented mini, um, sorry, very talented um, footballer, and his talent happens to shine more when he plays for the national team. And I can say it's actually rather understandable because there seems to be this much, there is this, you know, zeal, passion, will to want to outdo yourself, if I can put it like that, when you're playing for your um, country, right? When you're playing in international competitions, you just want to, you know, do it for your country, do it for everybody. And there and then, concentration levels are usually high you know delivery levels are high and for someone with his level of technical quality and you know his ability it only makes sense that he is a um, a consistent standard performer in the swiss side and this swiss team in general is a very talented team really like they have they are very very difficult to beat they are usually compact they have goal scorers in their teams in their team and it is very it was evident against um turkey in the in the whitewash that went on in that game and it only goes to show how you know good the side is how really really good the side is and for players to shine in teams that are very very good it speaks loudly about their quality so yeah jeran shakiri is a wonderful player and he's one to always remember although if we are being very, very, you know, honest about things, his Liverpool career hasn't really been as expected. And things like that are usually not a definition of the player or the player's ability. It's not totally down to the player's ability. It's usually more down to profiling, right? And how they fit into plans, right? And tactics of the manager or of the club itself. And so irrespective of how many games he may have played, I do believe that, you know, he is the kind of player that you really, really, really would not enjoy playing against. He is a very, very good player. Yeah, so, but with regards to Italy and my favorite player, it's really, really hard to pick because the Italian side is a very, very, 
interesting side really like Tim Lane has pointed out everybody performs everybody comes to the table everybody brings their bits to the table and when you do that the whole team just eats and it just makes a lot of sense and so it's very very difficult when you have to pick who is the better or who is your favorite because they're like ah, this guy is doing well and then while he's doing well another person, ah, this guy is balling this guy is doing and the whole team is just so good and credit to Mancini really because he has laid down ground rules and you know he has this philosophy that the whole team seems to have bought into so easily and even when he you know shuffles players and decides to shuffle the pack like he did against um Wales he really doesn't have so much of an impact firepower firepower could be down a little bit and that's usually down to um what's called individual quality but as a team it's very 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 difficult for them to you know to to derail off their philosophy because the system is so 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 simple to understand and very very effective but yeah i i have to pick a player and it's so 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 hard i have bias personal bias towards lorenzo insigne i have love for chiri mobile it's it's difficult it's difficult but to be honest right now i think it has to be j5 because he has actually you know he has actually stepped up let me just put it like that you know he has come through right he has done his job well he has delivered consistently like in all game that i have seen the italian side feature and he has delivered and you know he's yeah he yeah he has been phenomenal for me so it has to be j5 all right all right thank you for that although the only j5 i know is the one that featured skepta and reman dimension but yeah i'll allow you to have that one but yeah we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll be watching we'll be watching chakiri closely and and we'll see if he can continue this is good form against france um later on in the in the preview of the games to come which oes would would take for us but timmy let's move from one um Liverpool may say that who's been on the fringes to one who has probably been sparingly used by Klopp. And yeah, we're, we're leaving Group A now. I mean Italy and Wales made it through over there. And we'll go to into, into Group B. Netherlands beat North Macedonia by three goals to no. The new Barcelona man the pay was instrumental. But Wanadom continued this showing that when he, he, he where he looks like a, a slave worker in, in Liverpool, he seems he has all the freedom in the world to be anybody he wants to be in the Netherlands. Do you think Klopp's limited? I mean, they were successful with him playing in the role that he did. But do you think, on a personal level, Wijnaldum would have preferred to have the freedom he had for Netherlands in Liverpool? Actually, yeah. The thing is, I think I think Klopp only used um, Wijnaldum in the way the way Netherlands use Wijnaldum. I think Klopp used him like that just on very few occasions like basically that um the whole um, famous um barcelona the one you know it was desperate do you understand so he had to just bring in someone with that type of energy he, club actually knew we had that in him do you understand but his style of play will make him have a midfielder that goes that far do you understand because like obviously being very conservative and things like that but 
that's why you see Wijnaldum having just one goal in two years, three assists in four years, and things like that in Liverpool. Well, if it comes to Netherlands, just two qualifiers, last six goals. Do you understand? Like, it, it, I don't know. In I think in in Netherlands, there's a way, and I think it comes with confidence too, basically, because at least I think he's the assistant captain in the team. I, now he's the captain or something. But that there's this ginger that comes with the confidence when you have it. You know that, okay, you are, you are free to go box to box. You're free to do this. You're free to do that. But in Liverpool, where, okay, the scoring is, we know people that are supposed to score here. Just and You're supposed to do your job. It's a system. If you if you if you fail in your system, you're something will lack in the team. Something like that. Like this, the German managers always have this tactical, this tactical mindset that can actually flaw your own strength. So I think that was what affected Wijnaldum in Liverpool. Not really affected because obviously the times where he was free, he used the well, he got like numbers and things like that. But regardless, I think if they used him the way he plays for Netherlands, he would have gotten more numbers, better figures, better figures. I'm talking Bruno numbers, to be honest. Like, he has that that type of... Going forward, and he has accuracy, he has all these things, like, in attack, but I don't know, club is club. He used it, it works for him. <laughs> let's hope it works for... Let's hope it works for the Netherlands, too. Yeah, finally, they, they are also one of the, the teams that, that had a very clean record on comfortably into the into the round of 16 actually and um in the other group game we saw alaba assist um assist get an assist where austria beat um ukraine although both of them still ended up qualifying from the round of 16 but we is still sticking on the netherlands because i mean they are definitely wants to look out you can't win all your three games if you are not want to look at memphis the pay he's always been a leader for netherlands uh, but now Honestly, he, he looks like he, he looks like he he enjoys he enjoys the the leadership qualities now. How was his performance for you? And do you think his move to Baka was well merited, or Coman is turning Barcelona to a Netherlands side, while the way Alampadi turned Newcastle to a French side when he was there? <sighs> so many talking points. Where do I start from? Okay, so let me start from Memphis Depay's performance um, against um, North Macedonia. So there's someone that goes under the radar because he's not a starter. And the person is Donyon Malen. So if you notice, in the first game, Holland-Ukraine, Memphis didn't really have that type of game because all um, Van Aert and... Denzel Dumfries were looking for was how to get the tall guy's head in the box. That's um weak horse, that very tall guy. So that kind of like limited Memphis Depay's type of yeah, game. Yeah, Memphis but, Depay but, is your regular combination type of guy. Give me the ball, I give you God no go vex. Yes, where goes. So it kind of limited him. But we saw that when um Frank de Boer started involving Donyan Malen more. It helped um, Memphis. And since the second game for the group stage, that's um, their game against Austria, Memphis has been a different player. And don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from Memphis Depay. Rather, I'm even giving Frank de Boer credit for knowing or noticing that 
Memphis and Wigos were not very, very good. Even if, yes, in the first game, Wigos scored, uh, Memphis kind of like created one or two um, defenders to commit for some of the goals that were scored in that first game. But Memphis has improved since Donny Marlin has been more involved in this team. So I feel like if Frank Debar wants to progress in this tournament, because Czech Republic are not going to be a walkover. They've shown by how they demolished um, Scotland, in how they um, drew Croatia, and even in the game they lost against England. Yes, they lost, but they were not very terrible. So I just feel like Memphis Depay has been very good, but he's that player that shines when he's with someone similar to him, like a Quincy Promise, a Donnyo Marlen, rather than you playing him with a Luke de Jong, a weak uh, host, a target man. He doesn't play well when, you are, when he's playing with a target man. He plays better when he's supporting someone of similar attributes to him. That's that about his performance for Holland. And about his move to Barca, um, I don't think he deserved the move to Barca because if you ask yourself, is Messi going to get a contract renewal? Most likely, yes. What's the future of Griezmann? Who's going to buy Griezmann and pay Griezmann his current salary? Most likely no one. So you're going to have three people that need a player to perform well. You're going to have three people that like playing all the front four positions. That's CAM, left wing, strike, false nine, or right wing. So I, I wonder how Baka is going to really um I wonder how Baka is going to shape up next season because I don't see Memphis as a striker. I feel he's more of a left winger, but um, a left winger that likes coming inside. So where will Griezmann play? Where will Messi play? Are you going to have three similar players that are still looking for where they want to play at this time? So I feel like the career, um, the transfer was facilitated more by the fact that Ruan Koeman is coached than by the fact that, yes, I agree that Memphis Depay has evolved from the player he was at Manchester United, but I don't think he has ended because if we're looking at his performance for Lyon last season. It wasn't really, really spectacular. It was the season before that Lyon got to the Champions League um, semi-finals that I would have said, okay, yes, Memphis deserves a big break. But this last season, coupled with COVID, coupled with salary cuts, we saw how they loaned out Anderson, Marcel, Marcelo. They wanted to sell Awa and so on and so forth. Um, Lyon was basically broke. So that's even part of the reason why they are selling to Baka for that sum is because they are trying to recoup funds to do a rebuild in their team. So um, I don't think um, Memphis Depay, in summary, has earned the right to play for Baka. But I mean, he's very, very free to prove me wrong. But I just have an eye for knowing how some players turn in clubs like this when they are with signature players. As much as I like Griezmann, as much as I like Hazard, I sort of predicted that they are... Um, signings won't go as planned because of the players they were bought to replace. Is Memphis entering back as Messi's replacement just the way Hazard was seen in quotes as Ronaldo's replacement? I mean, Malcolm, Coutinho, Griezmann, there are a lot of people that have entered um, Baka just because of the profile while looking for Neymar's replacement. So, Memphis has a lot of work to do and a lot to prove with his new move. Thank you so very much for that, Oyez. 
um, but would quickly move away from Group B now and go into the realms of Group C. You already opened the conversation with Eddie Nazar, and I'll start off with Neita. Um, it was it was business as usual for for Belgium against Finland, although Finland did put off some re, um, re, resistance. But at the end of the day, um, if you've been there before, or how do they say it? Um, once they bear, always they bear. You get so Lukaku. Um, he scored a beautiful goal from Kevin De Bruyne, who just who since his um, first appearance with the Euros has just been making out open as he usually does. But he was flagged off for offside. What what do you have to say about the inconsistency of VAR? That 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 looked like something that they they were going to remove because we we've not really seen them. Anytime you have to draw so much lines, they probably let it go go, but. For now, there was a little bit of inconsistency there. But yeah, it was business as usual for Belgium, and they also are one of the teams that that um, that seem to have an easy ride um, so far in in the in the in the Euros. Lukaku, he didn't let the the, the sellout go stop him. He got he got in on his goal again, and um, oh, a blast from the past from from Malin as well. So I was I was a performance for you from. Yeah, the B- Belgium side is one of the most talented and one of the most complete sides in the um, tournament, obviously. They are currently ranked the first or the highest rated team in the on FIFA rankings currently. And we can understand why. I mean, like, it's, it's not just the attack. It's the defense. It's the midfield, right? Everybody there is, you know, is... Wonderful. They are technically um, um, technically secure, right? They are. Although the entire team together has um, a couple of flaws tactically, but their superiority in quality it overshadows it, and so you know it makes up for it most of the time. And they are always able to scale through, right? It's just um, it's, it's just I don't want to say sad. Is, or it's going to be sad, really, if this generation of Belgian players can't actually win a tournament. Because I don't see how easy it's going to be for them to get this level of, or this um, group of this quality of players again as a group together for them to push for um, major competitions and to win major trophies. With regards to VAR, I feel like. I've always been of the opinion that, yeah, it is something that we really don't need. It kills the love for the game and all of that. And to be honest, there, there can be an argument made for that, right? A very, very solid argument. But I feel like the major problem in VR in terms of inconsistency is its ex- execution, right? There are goals, like you said, that they would leave as, oh, okay, this is a good goal. Although we can see it's offside, there are goals that you would see that, oh, okay, this one, is no, I mean, it's offside, and they would give us goals, right? And so, my major issue is with its implementation, and obviously, that's still the implementation of this of you know of the VR is still down to um, human opinion. It is still mis- mostly subjective, and that now questions the cause or the reason for its creation in the first place. If at the end of the day, rulings and you know. Um, um, what's it called? Decisions would still be subjective. Then why not just have the referee make all the decisions by himself on the pitch, 
as it's happening you know so it is always going to be controversial there would never be a point in life in football life where or in the game in the history of the game or in the existence of the game where vr would not be controversial it would always be controversial and yeah it now just gives room for because they have they've they've gone too far they've gone too far a lot of things have happened for them to now go back on the implementation of vr irrespective of how many leagues or teams are already using it or how many are not using it they've gone way too far for them to look back at this point in time and so yeah i feel like it's just another hot topic to exist in football vr but yeah you can always count on quality of the belgian players to shine through at every point in time because hazards you're yeah, talking of the brainer you're yeah, talking of lukaku these guys have performed week in week out for top clubs you know for a very very over a long period of time right and so their quality is not even in doubt i mean obviously with hazard it is a very very you know iffy subject because it's like okay why is he not doing well in real madrid like Oh, he's rightly pointed out, you know, it's been, okay, so why is he not replacing Ronaldo as well as, you know, he is expected to. But, yeah, he also still said something that was very, very important. It's all still down to profiling. And, you know, it is something that really, really should not be overlooked or, you know, should not be ignored when it comes to transfers and how, you know, clubs sign players and what players to sign and, you know, how the players that are being signed, how it actually affects the balance of the team, right? How it affects the roles of other teams, or sorry, of other players on the team. And yeah, with Hazard, it is still a very, very iffy. Okay, can he do it? Can he not do it? So it's something that we're still looking forward to seeing him do at Real Madrid or a question we're looking forward to him answering at Real Madrid. But we know that once Hazard is with the ball, on his day, he is great. On his bad day, he is good. So it is just the thing, you know, there is just quality everywhere and, you know, they are a very, very serious side. So whether the VR decides to go for them or against them, they have players that can, you know, perform beyond reasonable doubts. So, yeah, that's the Belgian side. It's it's a complete side. Mm. Uh, I don't know about being complete because, one, they don't have the team that they used to. Um, the defenders in particular are not as good as the, I mean, the advert again, um, Aldaward and Remalin, still at um, reasonable ages at the time. I mean, let's not forget Vincent Company as well. But right now, I think most of them have, have aged and probably the defence is going to be the weakest thing going into that game against Portugal. But but yeah, you, you're right about the team in general and um, and Lukaku is playing at a level that he's never played before because he's not only scoring, he's trying to create and and everything. Well, yeah, thanks for that, um, Naita. We'll move, we'll move quickly to the other Wait, team. Before we move, I have a very, very hot take right, regarding this okay. um, defensive aspect to the Belgian side. Right, I agree 100% that it is not what it used to be. 100%, I do agree. But to be very honest, I don't believe that they are lacking so much. They have enough in terms of you know quality to be able to perform at a very very high level consistently the issue that they would be the issue they would be facing as a team in general when it comes to defense in my opinion is just down to you know 
compactness and you know how they manage off-ball situations. You know, their pressing, their positioning, their um, the awareness of you know players, especially the midfielders. Right. I feel like that is one area where you know their defense would be exposed badly. And to be honest, it's not even just going to be theirs. It's, it could be anybody with without any form of compactness and you know any off-ball solidity. It is very very easy for a defense or you know for a for the defense of a team to be exposed badly and so i believe right that at this with this current crop of defenders that they have i mean we're talking of Alderweireld we're talking of you know um Jan Ventorgen we're talking of Boyata these are you know players they have the quality you know to perform at a very they have performed at high levels you know I mean, they do, have do you been... know? Do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying, yeah, saying this now. Do you think they've been tested so far? Do I think they have been tested so far? With the opposition they've played against. To be honest, not really. Aside from Denmark, they haven't faced any serious opposition because that's, Finland. That's my point. Not... That's my point exactly. That's my point exactly. It's it, it, when they come against a team that will probably eat them on the pace. Who knows? Who knows what could happen in 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 that situation? But yeah, I, I understand you. And just for time time sake, we'll have to we'll have to quickly move on now to okay. to to yeah. the next to the next to the next um um topic um talking point. And is is Timmy? I'll I'll come to I'll come to for that. Timmy, the Denmark side, um, Nita just spoke about, and how they actually are the only teams that really really put a test to that Belgian defense. Um, honestly, on a good day, Russia going up against Denmark, you think this should be a level-headed game. But mm-hmm. I don't know, the, 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 the Danish players, I don't know if they had a, some sort of motivation. And I mean, what other motivation could they draw from? We all knew when um, Christian Eriksen slumped on, on that fateful day, the fear we all had. I, don't, I can't imagine how this guy is actually still playing on. But do you think that's for them in that game, because some people were scoring goals that would not Christensen, your player. I'm sure you've never seen, you've never seen, him, never seen him score that type of goal for Chelsea. Um, Ever. So, well, how, how, important, <laughs> how important was, was I mean, it's an unfortunate situation, but how important was was that, was his um, absence for the, for the Denmark player? Okay, yeah. Um, f- firstly, right, he, I think definitely, I'm sure they would have been reaching, like, reaching out to him and things like that. Obviously, that, that's, that, that would have been very huge for them, like his motivation and things like that. Obviously, they, I'm sure they felt his absence. You could even see it, in, even in the game they won, this last one against Russia, this 4-1, there were times you know that, okay, this is, like, even set pieces, set piece situations and this thing. But there's this, this guy, Paulson, he has been, I don't know, he's, he's a one chance. He just needs one chance. He's that kind he's of so, footballer. So and he's he's a Leipzig striker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah. That guy. That guy just needs one chance, and that's it. And you see, in that game against, um, even in the game against Finland, the one they lost to the Pujapalo's goal, if, uh, they were just demoralized. That's what I would say. It, that was a game they could have won. I think they missed the penalty. Oybeck missed the penalty. Oybeck should have been very, very good. 
in this whole this like this tournament. I think he has like three assists or something like that. It has been very wow. But I think the players definitely they have their like their source of motivation from the whole Ericsson. I mean, if if they got disqualified, like people would have understood. So to be honest, they really had nothing to lose. They understand. So they just they just they just went to fight for the shit. They went to play for their country, and that was just it. But that person stood out for me throughout this group stage. It's someone I'm I'm actually looking out for. I think in the round of 16, well, hopefully, if if they perform, I think that would be someone that can actually spawn them to the top. Very, very good performance. Like I like the obviously they play as a team. There's no you, you can't find any individual brilliance. You see Moibek uh, being more on the attacking foot, like having assists and things like that. But to be honest, Ericsson's part, Ericsson, Ericsson, even without like without playing, he played a major part in the team and uh, and the achievement so far. Because that group was, that was, I, I think after the France and Germany group, that was another group I saw as a very tough one. Everybody had at least three points in the group. Do you understand? That was the only group that that happened. And like they still came second. And that was the only group, like that was one of the groups that didn't have a best loser. So it was really crazy how they still they were still able to like qualify from that stage. And I'm very happy for them. I think I'm sure the whole world is actually happy for them because of the whole situation and the unfortunate events. So let's see how they fare in the round of 16. Great stuff, Timmy. Great stuff. You're right with um Oybeck having three assists. He's turned from destroyer in Tottenham to creator in um, oh, in that in that in that um side. But yeah, I'll still stick with you, Timmy, on moving into the next group, and that's Group D. Um, Jack Grealish was the creator on the day for for England in that game, and it it seemed like a long time coming for him to start that game because really everybody in the world was saying, "Why wow, you know you, you're finding it difficult to break teams down, and you have a creative player on your on your team, one who enjoys tackles when he's when he's tackled." If you have a player who enjoys being tackled, you know he's going to drag, he's going to drag a lot of attention to himself and players to himself. That's going to create space for, for the other forward players to have, to have the, and that's one of the reasons why Sterling was free. A small like small man like Sterling could get on a header that from a cross from Jack Grealish, but the other shit is that England are further to deceive so far. Um, a one of victory. You 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 think they they are. Is a is a is a it's an international tournament, so definitely it's you could say it's what is what is needed, but it doesn't seem like it's good enough, is it? <sighs> um, to be honest, I'm, I'm I've been disappointed. Like hundred percent of their goals have come from Sterling, to be honest. And these are this this is a team with like this is a team we're scared of. Like who at some point we're like who would they use in their attack? They have so many big players. Do you understand? Like they have. Players on the bench, they have players that are about to go to teams for 90 million. They have players that can live for 100. These are players they have. They are like they have Kane, the best players, the best attackers in the Premier League, in the Bundesliga, and things like that. And now Sterling was not even on form last season. Like this is is is, is ridiculous. It's just they've scored just two goals. They played, they played against Scotland, they played against okay, they played against okay, Croatia. I think that was tough. But They've been, it's been really underwhelming, really, really, because, and I think um, I've seen a lot of um, like if, um, English fans like clamoring for Saka to like play the next game and things like that. His, his impact was really massive in that, like in the previous match. Grealish, 
I don't know. I, I still don't know why Grealish didn't start against um, Croatia, to be honest. The match was screaming Grealish. Like, this is someone that can... You need somebody like this from the beginning. He's not someone you bring as an impact player. There are players for that. That you can just bring, okay, when these people are tired, okay, you can throw in Rashford for Sweden. But Grealish is someone that can help you run the game from the beginning to the end. And when, you, when they gave him the opportunity against Czech Republic, obviously, it took it once. Very easy. Very easy for a player like that. But overall, if they go like this, like with this particular, with how they're playing, like not converting and things like that, against Germany, uh, I'm scared they might suffer a lot. They might suffer, to be honest. So, like before then, they need to get their game up. Like Hurricane especially needs to... Because I, I watched the one against Czech Republic. I saw him make some like deep runs. It was very, very unnecessary. Very, very, very unnecessary. So I think there are other things they need to work on. At least you've seen other strikers in like, these are like strikers, his peers, basically, and people is better than the tournament so far. Like, regardless of the team, I'm saying individually, seeing like them, Lukaku and things like that, Immobile, even Patrick Schick. Like, I'm just saying normal people are still like, you see the spaces they get into, you see the kind of goals they score. So if you want to, if you want your strikers to score goals in this tournament, you have to bring the, like the um, midfielders, the attacking midfielders that can create chances. That's not so you have people like Greenish, people like Sancho and the likes. Don't bring, you can't, you can't just, you can't have everybody just direct in your team, like having just people, wingers that just want to score, wingers that just want to know. You need um, like that flair in the middle, like even if it's, okay, we saw Foden has been very, very, I don't know, Gaza, but I think for the next match against Germany, if they can go with Grealish, stick with Grealish, I think it can produce something for them. I'm not saying they'll win, but it's Wembley though, but let's see how we go. But so far, it's been underwhelming. Yeah, it's, it's been very underwhelming. Thank you for that, Timmy. Uh, Nate, I know you're, you're a good observer um, of the game. And um, I mean, England is probably one of the few countries that we watch all the players week in, week out. Hurricane's performance has been abysmal to, to, to note, really. And do you think it's only down to Southgate? Because we've seen him drop so deep sometimes. Do you think it's Southgate has told him to do that? Or it's just what he's come to it's come to become since uh, Mourinho joined Tottenham and he started doing that. Okay, so this is a very, very, you know, dicey um, conversation because first off, if you know me, you know I don't rate Southgate. Like, I don't like him because I feel like he he knows the obvious... No. And it's like, do you understand? And it's like, why? Why are you doing that? So, you know, I can't put it, I I wouldn't put it too far from Southgate's, you know, that Hurricane's performance and the role he's playing now. But then again, it's actually very, very interesting when you look at most of the games, if not all the games that Hurricane played under Jose Mourinho. And you're looking at how deep he's dropping. And it's like, why? What exactly are you doing this deep, right? This is a team that has, you know, good, um, what's it called? Good first and second phase players, players that can bring the ball out from defense to attack. This, this is a team that has, you know, creative, um, um, creative players that can, you know, get the ball from your midfield and give it to you, feed you to score. You know, you have, you are surrounded by runners. I can understand if you want to be a false nine and drop in between, uh, drop in the hole and, you know, create space for your runners to attack and all of that. I cannot totally understand that. But this is England we're talking about. 
when you look at the bench, when you look at when you look at the entire squad, it is filled with players. I mean, Harry Maguire would he will carry the ball from defense to attack for you. All you have to do is just stay there and score. They are lacking goals. It is it is it is annoying that Sterling does have a hundred percent record when it comes to goals for England in the tournament. I mean, this is a team that has goal scorers. Harry Kane won the golden boot in the Premier League. We have Rashford that had his second best goal scoring season with Manchester United. We're talking of um, um, what's it called? Jaden Sancho that has scored more goals than he has played for Dortmund. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like, he, Harry Kane having to drop this deep if it's a fundamental, if it's a tactical um, instruction from Gareth Southgate, it is poor. But if it's a if it's down to muscle memory and you know, cause the thing with um footballers is if you notice when he was playing under um 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 Mauricio Pochettino, he had, you know, he was more of stay and let me I'm sorry, stay and feed me, stay in the box and feed me kind of striker. But over time, obviously he got more experience and he progressed his game, he improved on his game and he now started dropping and linking and don't get it twisted. He is a very, very good creator, but he is a better finisher than a creator. So, you know, he has to be in the box. He has to stay on score. He has to, he has to be on the end of the ball. And if he's dropping in the middle, if he's having to go and pass the ball in midfield, he can't do all of that. So I do strongly, you know, I, I'm conflicted. I honestly don't even have an idea if it's down to you know him having played under Mourinho for as long as he has, or if it's a tactical error from, or if it's a tactical instruction rather from Gareth Southgate. But I feel like this, 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 um, these things can come to light over time, because truth, truth be told, right in the group stages, you don't really have to play your best game. You just have to win enough games to get you through to the next round. From the knockout phases, we will start seeing, we, well, we hope, I expect to start seeing better football from England, right, with how, with how they approach these games, knowing that it is a one-off opportunity to move to the next round. And you do not have the liberty to drop the ball at any point in time, except it's in the back of the net. And so over, you know, over the course of the next few days, we would actually now see if it is down to... Um, Gareth Southgate, or if it's a oh, I played on that Mourinho thing, yeah. Thank you, thank you very much for that narrator. Yeah, it's it's really it's really dicey because it could be a mentality thing. But one man who showed his creating and um, scoring ability in that same group on that day was um, Luka Modric, and now we is. We, we both discussed about him. The outside of Modric's right foot is one of the wonders of the world because we've seen it so many times. Just um, placing so many passes. But he used it to score a goal and reminded us that, yo, I actually have a, a Ballon d'Or and it's because of performances like that. Perisic as well got a goal. And this, these are two very, what was the word, very, very good soldiers that any manager would love to have in their team. He was he, he, performance for you and... Um, Croatia, they made, they, they made it into the round of season after a very turbulent start. Um, so I'll first start by saying the only thing missing 
from Croatia's performance that day was Mari Mazukic and Daniel Subasic. I hope they saw the game like I did. It was class. It was the way they played England in the semi-finals of the World Cup. It was the way they played against France before they lost it mentally. If you ask me, it was a battle of mental strength in that World Cup final. So it was almost complete. The only person that needed to get in the act that day up front was Mario Mansukic because there were a couple of wasted chances by the guy that started up front. I can't remember his name. Is it Plekovic or one of one of these itches started up front that day? They bent Rebic, they bent Kramaric, and they played a very new face up front. So that gave Modric the license to roam and all. It was really, really amazing that Perisic and Modric were rolling back the years. And even the Chelsea boy that hardly scores or assists, Matteo Kovacic, had an act in the front and um, provided one for Modric. I just want to say that this Croatia team, people rose them off after England's game. And you can't really, really fault them. They are a team that is rebuilding. They've lost some of their key players. Um, Vishaliko is almost at the um, tail end of his career. Lovren and Vida should actually stop playing international football after next year's World Cup, if you ask me. Um, Brozovic has been terrible, I'm not going to lie. But in that game against Scotland, he is he, like he had scores to set with maybe um, Rangers or Celtic not wanting to sign him before he got his move to Inter because I was like, ah, is this the Brozovic that was so terrible in the game against England that has come to prove a point to the manager after the manager dropped him against the Czech Republic? I mean, um, I was asking myself after that defeat against England, why didn't they carry Rakitic? I know Rakitic is not in the best of form, but I mean, someone that still had a decent shift for Sevilla this season it won't have been bad if he just went as an extra leg. But, um, okay, Rakitic has retired. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought it was just Subasic and uh, Masuki. That's the most notable people that have retired from that team. So, uh, I feel it's going to be a very good watch with Spain. Yes, the Spaniards, La Roja, they have more talents but this is the review i don't want us to start talking about the round of 16 but if they show this hunger if they roll back the years if they can get players like anti rebic and andre kamaric on the ball it's going to be a very very interesting tournament for croatia because the only weakness i've seen in croatia is the fact that they don't have a disciplined holding midfielder and their center backs are kind of shaky there are new fullback that is named six with the guy that keeps on bottling in the UCL. Gadio is very, very good, but you know that he's lacking that experience. So maybe you can take some classes from the OGs that have played that position for Croatia in the like of um, Darijo Senna, Brasic, and so on and so forth. But I just want everyone to know that Croatia can go all the way depending on how hungry they are, because they have the quality. We've seen it with Paris, we've seen it with Modric, and it will be a very, very good watch to see how far these guys will go in this tournament. Thank you for that 
But yes, I mean, it's been great so far doing the re this review with you guys. And I mean, you're just talking about Modric, Perisic, Kovacic. And I just want to move away from, from that and go to the H I had when I watched um, Sweden in Group E playing one of the best games so far in the Euros against Poland. <laughs> Timmy, I, I, I just know you, you, you follow that. And it's been one of the best games, like I said. And one man that's impressed me. Everybody was talking about um, Isaac, but Forsberg has turned it up, man. He's really turned it up. He, 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 there's this way he celebrates like a superstar. I actually yeah. like it. Like, <laughs> exactly, yeah. So he's really turned it up with his finishes. How was his performance? And Oiz would jump in on this because he likes Kulusevski. He was good on the day as well in um, securing that win for, for Sweden. But Forsberg, Sweden in general, your take. Okay, yeah, I think, okay, with Forsberg first, um, I think you know, that's like, I think uh, this is Brace made like three goals for him in the tournament so far. Um, that's, um, you see, in my, what, what do you call it, my Euros fantasy, was someone I actually wanted to get. Do you understand? Because I knew like, if any goal was going to come, Isaac, like I watched Isaac and I saw how deep he played. Do you understand? I knew that this Forsberg guy was guy. If you wanted to go from Sweden, he's going to be that guy. It was always so short. I think it's on their penalties too. So you like there is no there's there is no other way you can see Sweden getting three points without Fosberg being on the score sheet anymore at this point. So um I think Fosberg, if they are actually going to go far, they have to be very, very they can play through him, obviously. Like obviously they can depend someone they can depend on, like then apart from the back, because apparently they keep they've kept like two clean sheets so far too. That's, I'm, now I'm talking about Sweden in general. So, and they topped their table. Like, that was in a group with Spain, um, with Spain and, okay, yeah, Poland, which is, yeah. But at least they topped the group. The very solid performance from all the players, and, like all the Swedish players, from Lindelof, Isak, and, and Cole. So, like, generally, they, and they are, um, the round of 16 game is actually a very tough one. It's not something you can write off. I think they're playing Ukraine. So, and I think the winner between both of them will face the winner between England and Germany. So, very, very, it's going to be a very, very fun ride for the Swedish guys. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, TV. Uh, oh, yes, Sweden kept two clean sheets in that game. Yeah, I'm sorry, in that previous game. And if there was any man in the world that was going to spoil or blemish that record, it was Lewandowski. But he didn't, he didn't, you could say he tried his best, but it's, it's just a case of one man cannot save a team every time. And um, like I said, you do talk us through Lewandowski's tournament and um, also Kruzewski's performance in that, in one of the games of the tournament so far. Um, so I'll start with Lewandowski. So when Poland lost against Slovakia, I knew it was Cotton's drawn on the tournament. Like, how will you lose against Slovakia? I'm taking nothing away from senior men like Hubokan, Hamsik, um, Duda, that guy that plays the first nine role. Um, Screener, of course, the senior man with Inter Milan, and so on and so forth. Slovakia, they have talented sides. But if you go to Poland, Poland recruited a foreign coach. It's not something that really happens in European football where you get, like, it happens, but it doesn't happen as much as it happens with 
African football where we always use foreign coaches. Sweden got Paulo Sosa. Paulo Sosa had a very, very good campaign leading up to um, the Euros. I'm talking of when they hired him late 2019. And he came to the Euros. He got some of his key players injured in likes of um, Piatek and um, forgotten name of this other key player for Poland. He had two major injuries though. And he started Milik, playing Zielinski on the left side of Lewandowski. Milik, thank you very much, Milik. He started playing Zielinski on the left side of attack and he's playing um, this Leeds guy, Click, on the right side of attack. So he doesn't have that um, chemistry amongst his front three, front four players. So I feel that's where Poland lost it all. It's not like they can't score. I mean, there's this guy, Karolinetsi, very, very amazing player. He, he tried his own beat against Slovakia. He also didn't do badly against Spain. But when you are playing players out of position for country, it's more difficult than when they play out of position for club side because little time to train in those positions and so on and so forth. But um, I would still go back to Lewandowski. Lewandowski actually tried. I saw in the game against Slovakia, Skriniar was like, now me and you today, if you score, maybe I'm not going to play another game for my country. And Skriniar did a good job by marking Lewandowski out. Against Spain, Spain tried and tried and tried till he got the better of the um, defensive pairing between Paul Torres and Laporte. And going into the third game, I was like, Lewandowski is not going to go down without a fight. Even if I root off the Polish national side from their first game, I was like, there's no Poland is going to do this. They are not going to qualify. They've lost three points against a team they should beat with the quality of players they have. And they almost got a draw. They, I, I won't say they almost got a win against Sweden, but they almost got a draw. And Lewandowski wanted to leave the Euros, at least with a very, very amazing record in terms of goal scoring. But I just feel like what let Spain down? I mean, we saw this Spanish, um, sorry, Poland down. We saw this Polish side in 2016 is the fact that they had players in different positions. I mean, let's roll back the years a bit. 2016, they had Blachikowski. Blachikowski, even when he was on his last um, tournament for his country, wearing the band for the last time for Poland, he still had a very good shift because that is his position. That is the position he owns. Not playing Petr Zelinski in a position that is unfamiliar. So I just feel like it was a it was it was a letdown from Paulo Sousa, coupled with tactical jargons, trying different things. I mean, injuries is something that I mean, if we want to talk about injuries, Italy that is doing so well, they have a lot of injured players. Verati that was speaking so highly of, he didn't play the first two games because of injury. So I don't want to give any excuse or be an apologist for the Polish national side, but no matter how much injuries they have or they had, just imagine they won. Slovakia with draws against Spain, they would have had a chance at making the last 16 as best loser. I mean, Ukraine made, made one of the best loser spots with a minus one or minus two goal deficit and three points. So that's how um, not so tough the um, best loser system or format was. I mean, we had some groups where, yes, three points couldn't get you to the next round. But we also had some groups where 
three points got you to the next round. So I just feel like um, Pola had no business losing such games, and that was where their game was won and lost. And last but not least, talking about the Ankuluveski, the um, the reason why I rate they and so much is not because I'm a Juventus fan or I like Andre Pello or no. I saw a couple of games before Andre Pello started benching him, and. I like a player that combines well with anybody he plays in front of. So Kulveski plays well with Dybala, plays well with Ronaldo, plays well with Morata. If you're a player that you play well with any player, I tag you a specialist in system. Like, it means that, okay, you have range. Like, okay, if it's an iPhone, you give me, I can use. If it's an Android, you give me, I can use. He doesn't select, like, some players like, let me use Antonio Rudiger, for example, who thrives so well in the back three, but plays so poorly in the back four. So that's why I rate him so much. And when he was in Juve, I was like, this guy needs a needs some more game time, but he can never be the main man at such a side because he doesn't have that clout yet because he's still a very, very young lad. So I, I really enjoyed his performance. He gave the assist for um, the goal that made Susan top the group. That was, um, he made Victor Klassen score. He also helped Emil Forsberg show that, yes, that even if, I'm not really, really showing my qualities due to the fact that I'm having a lot of competitions in RB Leipzig. I can be the Dwight McNeil of this European Burnley side. So I, 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 re I really enjoyed um, Sweden's performance in the group stage. It's a very, very, very good game to watch, like Timmy said earlier. But um, let's review. We'll keep the interesting hot takes for the preview of the round of 16. Thank you for that, Oyes. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a decent showing from from Sweden so far in this tournament. But they top that group, and Naita would go to a team that we expected to top that group easily, actually. But gone are the days where the Spanish side boosted the creative talents, and each any manager that boasted of those talents would have an headache of picking between Wamata, David Silva, Sex Fabregas, as regards who, who is gonna is gonna call to for creativity. Do you think this Spanish side is a it is a massive downgrade, by the way. I'm not I'm not hiding or cutting any corners, but the the, the, the football so far has been has been it's not been interesting. There were there were talks that their win in Euro 2012 came from boring style of play. But honestly, if you're boring and you win 4-0, you're good to go. Well, they did win 5-0 against Slovakia, although Martin Dovavka was 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 awful on the day, scoring a terrible long goal, indecisive of his positioning and everything. But their football is not as fluid as it used to be. How long or how how, how far do you think they can go in this tournament? It's it's going to be very very difficult really for them to, you know, progress with that type of football. Um, they don't they have they have deficiencies in the entire squad and in the system of play that they are implementing, because all they do really is pass. It gives Spain the opportunity; they will pass it to them. Pedri made the he made more passes in his game against Sweden than the entire Switch. So I need you to think about that. That is a lot of passes 
for an entire team. Like you don't like learned over time, right? If you if you are trying something, right, because you've heard that, oh, this is what works, you're trying it and it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. It gets to the point where you have to think to yourself, especially if you are really, really interested in getting results, that this thing I'm doing is not working. Like, why don't I try doing something else? Right? It's like these coaches don't even want to that this stubbornness that you know comes with being great is like it, as much as it has its good sides it has its bad sides and its bad sides are very very disappointing and frustrating they lack creativity in the squad in the team right why not find a way around that why why have to you don't you don't categorically even have to impose yourself on your opponents why not find a system that allows for you to sit back and counter? Why not find a system that allows for you to be very, very, exp- to be more, you know, secure with your, um, or sorry, more intentional with your attacks? Do you understand what I'm saying? So you can't, you can't bank on this Spanish side to actually, you know, go really far in this competition. It's going to be very, 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 very difficult for them. I think they're playing against Croatia. It is going to be very, very tough for them. Like they don't, I don't think they expect, you know, anything less than a serious game because the Croatian side are not even people to joke with. I mean, World Cup finalists in 2018, obviously like, you know, it was pointed out, they've lost a few players over time, but it is still for them, you know, for them, and for we, as football lovers and football fans, we do know that you don't just write off players and teams like that, especially teams that have competed at such a high level, irrespective of, you know, who has been dropped and who has, you know, been added onto the team. They are lacking majorly in creativity. That is where their biggest issue is. It's not like they don't have finishers. It's not like they don't have, you know, midfielders or even very, very good defenders. They do have these types of players they have a very very intelligent coach too as ironic as it sounds but they are lacking in a certain profile right and they don't have it in the squad at the moment right and it is showing it is telling on their on their performances and with performances like this i really don't expect them to go as far as you would naturally you know that as is naturally consistent with the spanish side they have too much competition with players, with people that are with teams against teams rather that are playing better football or that have better quality or that are expected or that that have you know the push the team these systems to go way further than the Spanish side. So I don't I don't have any hopes for them at all. Thank you for that. Um... Um, Naita, real time is well fast spent, but we still have just one more group to go in this our review. That's what you get when you get people that love football and are passionate about the game. But we'll quickly run through what was the group of death. You know, normally the, the, the term group of death has been used loosely. People just say group of death, but we I think we actually got to see a group of death because in this final game, we saw... The movement, the shuffling of teams with just a goal, <laughs> just told you about how, how well the group has, has been. 
from start to the end. And like you just need to give big ups to Hungary for for not not seem not being a a, a a an easy game basically. But quickly, Timmy, France, um, Portugal, two two. Ronaldo equals um, Ali Dyer's record. Thank <laughs> you. 